Father, uh, through your word, you reveal yourself to us. You, uh, in a sense, unwrap the truth of who you are and what you're on about. And, and Father, we pray that as we look to your word this morning, that you do exactly that before us, that we could know more of you, that we could know you better, that you would bless us with your grace and your mercy, especially uh, your revelation. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm reading from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing that was made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We're coming to Christmas. Christmas is a great time, isn't it? We love Christmas. And Christmas is all about Jesus, the time that Jesus, the Son of God, was born into this world. Jesus came to fulfil God's plans and purposes for history But he came to reveal the truth of who God is to humanity. He came to save us from our sins, to restore us to God. When we tell the Christmas story, if you read, uh, say, Matthew or Luke, they kind of begin after a bit of stuff with the birth of Jesus. They're saying in a gospel, which is kind of like a story of Jesus' life, you start when he's born. That's how generally people do it. If we wrote a human biography, we might start with Derek was born, blah, 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 there and then, and you know, all that stuff. John doesn't start there. He didn't start, start he, if you want to know Jesus, as far as John's concerned, he says, you've got to know who he was before he was born to know who he was, to understand the uh, significance of who was born into this world, to understand the miracle of Christmas or what theologians call the incarnation, when God become incarnate in a person, you've got to go back. far. Be- the miracle is not just found in the birth of Jesus. The miracle is found in who was born in the flesh. So in the beginning was the word, Jesus, the word, has always been. Jesus was alive before he was born. When creation began, Jesus was there. In fact, Jesus was before creation. 
Jesus has always been, he is the eternal God. He was already there. Hebrews 1.8 says, uh, says about the Son, but about the Son, he says, Your throne, O Lord, will last forever and ever. Jesus has always been there forever and ever. Uh, Hebrews 7.3 says, Jesus was without beginning of days or end of life. Okay? He wasn't, days didn't begin. Jesus has always been. Okay? In the beginning was the word. Now, a word communicates something, doesn't it? We use words to communicate. Yeah? To make something known. Yep. Good. Everyone's full of life today. That's good. Uh, sometimes, occasionally, someone after I've preached a message will say to me, well, that was a good word. What do they generally mean? There was something communicated through that message which came home to me and I understood something about God, hopefully, that I didn't understand before. That's a word. It makes something known. Something is revealed. And sometimes, well, we call the Bible the word of God, don't we? The word, what does it mean? It's not just one word. Because the Bible teaches us who God is, what God's done in history, what he's like, what he will do in the rest of history, God's plans and purposes. So the word brings understanding as to who God is and what he's on about. Making sense? So when, uh, when John says, Jesus, the word, became flesh, he's saying our understanding of who God is and what he's on about and everything comes to us through Jesus, the word. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, uh, the writer of Hebrews says this, In the past, God spoke, so we're talking about word here, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So God has been about communicating his truth to us through various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. That's Jesus. God has spoken his word of truth, which is Jesus, whom, this is Jesus, he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. So Jesus is the heir of everything and he is the one through whom the whole universe was made. Right, do you get that? Jesus through him, the whole universe was made and then he was born into that universe. He made everything. Yep. So what did God communicate through this word? This is Hebrew still. It says, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. Do you see what it's saying there? God has spoken to us in various ways so that we can know who he is. But in these last days, there's one way he has spoken to us. Through his son. And what is made known through his son? The radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being. So if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. I've been to lots of churches. They sit around and say, how do we hear from God? And then and they get a blackboard up. And, no, don't do a blackboard, whiteboard. We hear from God through this and we hear from God through that, blah, blah, blah. They never say through Jesus. It gets me. 
Jesus is the one who is God's word. He is the one who's spoken to us, right? You want to know what God's saying to you? Look at Christ. He is everything. But Sorry, went on a tangent there that wasn't written down. Okay. Jesus makes known the very nature of God. Jesus shows us the glory of God. In Jesus, we see the one who sustains everything. Right, if you woke up this morning breathing, the reason you're still breathing is because Jesus is sustaining you right now. Yep. Every moment, he is upholding us. We are alive every second. We never have a life of our own outside of what God is giving us. He holds us together physically and every other way at every moment. We are sustained by his powerful word and Jesus also shows us the purification of sins. That's what it said. This is Hebrews 1, Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. Great memory verse for you. Go home and learn it. Uh, he shows us the purification of sins. He shows us God forgiven our sins by Jesus actually bearing our sins in his body on the cross. God took, God's own son, Jesus, took the punishment for our sin to purify us. And then we see of Jesus, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What's he doing there? He's ruling over all things. What a, he has all authority. So what I'm saying is this. The one who has all authority in heaven and earth, who rules over all things eternally, came out of the womb of his mum, Mary. And there he was, a baby. Jesus is not just knowledge about God. Jesus is God. Colin Buchanan says this of God, of of Jesus. What he is, he says, and what he says, he'll do. God is absolutely consistent in what he says and what he does and who he is. It's all the same. It's It's not like God's like this, but he does this. Or God's like this and he says this, but he means this and he does something different. What everything he is, he says, and everything he says he'll do, God is one. That's how Deuteronomy puts it. Okay, so this baby born at Christmas is the eternal, glorious Son of God, Lord of all. Right there in a baby. This is a miracle. When people say, oh, you don't have to believe in the virgin birth to be a Christian, just tell them they're full of silliness. Because <laughs> they are. Okay? He was the son of the Father, the eternal God. He was also the son of Mary, human being. Fully human, fully God, all in one. That's the virgin birth, absolutely central to our beliefs. Okay. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was God. He still is. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, God, in one sense, is everywhere across all of time and all of space, and He is unchanging forever. He's one God, but all of that fullness came in one human being Jesus. Jesus was God. The word was with God, which the Greek there kind of means He was face to face with God, one in perfect relationship with God, always and forever. Except for one moment when he was separated on the cross. But the word was God and the word will be God forever. 
And God made everything through Jesus. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. God, the same God who created the smallest of atoms and cells and forests and mountains and every drop of rain and the far-flung galaxies and all of that, that one God Mary carried in her womb. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? And she looked into the face of her baby and she was looking into the face of her creator at that moment. I don't know how much she understood of that. Maybe more than we do. I don't know. She looked into the face of her king. She looked into the face of her saviour. Jesus eternally was God. He was co-equal to God. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Life comes from Jesus. I said he sustains us at every moment. But life is not just physical life and intellectual life and stuff like that. His moral life, his purity, Jesus is life. His holiness, his truth, all good comes from him. That's true life, isn't it? Because he's about to say it's not just about life. He says uh, he was the light of all mankind. In him was life and that light. That life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So his light is his purity, his, his goodness, his holiness and he shines that into the darkness. Not just the darkness of ignorance and the darkness of death but into the spiritual darkness. He shines his light on death as in death, as in spiritual death. He is the life and apart from him there's only death, there's moral death, there's nothing pure, there's nothing holy, there's lies and evil and only death. But he is the light of light. And it says the light, the darkness has, there's two ways that our Bibles uh, translate this. One, the darkness does not comprehend him. Or secondly, the darkness does not overcome him. The darkness can't firstly comprehend him. It does not understand who he is. doesn't worship him as God. And it does not overcome him. They're both right in a sense. His light drives out death. It drives out moral death. It drives out spiritual death. His light drives out physical death. His light is forgiveness and love. He drives out the darkness. He drives out the powers of darkness, Satan and his cohorts. So, Jesus is the light of salvation. He is the light of the resurrection. He is the gift of purity. So, this one who drives out all darkness, again, I'll just say it, was born to Mary and he raised by Mary and Joseph. He was brought up by them as a child. You see, God is and Jesus is wholly other to us. He is not just a better version of us. He is the eternal God. You understand this? Sometimes we just think of what a perfect person would look like and that must be what God's like or that must be what Jesus is like. No, no, no. He is far and above our best conception of what a human being can be. Far and above that, he is completely other to us. 
He is greater than all. He is timeless. He never changes. He is completely self-sufficient. Do you know, we, uh, I remember back where we used to live and hearing someone speak and they said, you know, God created human beings because he wanted them to choose to love him as if God's got this huge insecurity issue and he's just hoping, just up there hoping that people will love him. Yeah? No. Do you know God doesn't need us? He's created him out of uh, created us out of his glorious being. Yeah, it's a bit like this. You, you imagine, you know, uh, there's some young children here. Just uh, we've got Nathan here. Um, imagine Steph going, "Gee, I hope he loves me." Like yeah, actually, what Steph will do is teach Nathan to love her. Does that make it not real love? No, that's what he does. Do you know God teaches us to love Him? He's not all insecure and stuff. He is the source of everything, but he doesn't need us. Right? Acts 17, 24 says this. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands. Get that? God is not served by human hands. As if he needed anything. He doesn't. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything in it. This is Jesus, the baby, the man. He is everything. So when, if you understand this, this is who God is, this is who Jesus is, then we see the, the magnificence and the significance of the incarnation. This is God, all-powerful, God only wise. Born in the flesh. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. The awesome, wonderful, magnificent, glorious God born in a stable. It's no wonder that there were 10,000 angels singing, what, glory to God in the highest? Now, sometimes you might think the angels stand there, uh, glory to God in the highest. They can be looking into the manger and saying, glory to God in the highest too. Because this is God most high. Get that? Fully God, fully man. God becomes a man. And this is what makes uh, a verse that we read in this more shocking and appalling than you can ever believe. It says this, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He was rejected by humanity. How disgusting is that when he is the creator God? Can you see the sinfulness of sin? How abhorrent. It's not just, oh, we broke God's rules. We rejected God most high. That's what sin is. That's why it's so evil. Knowing who he is, the glory of God, and then rejecting him. That's the immensity of human sin. See, at the heart of sin is rejecting the holy and awesome God, isn't it? Rejecting the sustainer of heaven and earth. All those words were used. He is God most high. And we thumb our nose at him. We reject him. He came to his own, 
which is everybody he's created in one sense and he also came to his own Israel, his own chosen nation and they rejected him. Why did God do it this way? Why did he lower himself to become a human being? Well, in one sense, that's who God is. We would never understand the grace and mercy and love and holiness and holy wrath of God unless Jesus, the Son of God, became a man. You could not know him, his true nature, unless he did this. So Jesus as he lived as a man, was God being God, fully God. You understand that? Yeah. I think, I hope this is exciting because this is really cool. Fully God in a man. Everything you saw in Jesus, you understood God. You saw his holiness as he bore the wrath of God for our sin. You saw his love and grace and mercy as he bore the wrath of God in our place. See that? We could never understand that holiness and that mercy unless God had been God in the way that he has and Jesus became flesh. This is a full unwrapping of the nature of God in Jesus Christ. He is, the we read in Hebrews 1, the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. In other words, everything you see in Jesus, you see God. You understand him. Everything about his character. You see it through the cross. So that great sinners, and we are all that, those who have rejected and hated the holy, awesome God, from these evil people, including ourselves, he chooses and calls and redeems and saves from darkness and calls us to be his own. He takes the objects of his wrath and he turns them into the objects of his mercy. That they might know him and love him. The more we know of God, the more we'll love him. How are we going to get to know God more? Through knowing Jesus more. Jesus the word. Which we know through the word. Do you understand what I'm saying? He chooses and he saves sinners. But it says, Yet to all who did not receive sorry, yet to all who did receive him, some did receive him. How? Was it by choosing? Oh, it says not by human decision. Um, was it born naturally? Though your children, if you're a Christian, become Christians. No, not like that either. Um, by the will of God. Born of God. Born of him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh, Jesus became human, to save to himself sons and daughters, a beloved family who would know God and love God and therefore worship God in purity because that's what he's done. You wonder, we, we, we talk often about what we're saved from, sin and death and the powers of darkness, but what are we saved to? To know God, to love him, to be in communion with him. Yep, 
Sometimes I give a message. This is going on one of my tangents again, sorry. But you know what, I'm on a tangent, I get all negative. Right? Um, people come and say, yeah, 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 I heard your message, but what's the point for my life? You know what they mean. What's in it for me? What do I get out of it? And to those people, the, the trouble of it and the evil of a statement like that can be, is knowing and loving God not enough? Is there something more? You want some physical blessing. You want something for your life that makes you everything wonderful. We are made to be saved that we might know and love and worship God. And there is nothing higher. That is the great calling of humanity. That's what we're here for. Do you get that? Yeah? It's only a small point. It's all we need to take home with us. Do you understand? What's in it for me? I can know God through Jesus Christ. That is the heart of life. True life is to have his light shine into our darkness that we might know him and love him. And so, if we were to spend our whole lives studying the word of God, finding Jesus in there, finding out more about him, reflecting on the Bible, reflecting on how all he's done for us, reflecting on who he is, we are only going to grow in love grace and worship for him. And that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Because that would be living. That would be, as Jesus called, fullness of life. Because we know the word, he became flesh. God incarnate. Okay. I'm just going to finish with a, a, a bit of Paul. And Paul says things like this. But in, in Colossians 3 verse 8, he says, What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Is that Philippians? I've got Colossians written now. I think it's Philippians, but don't worry about that. I'll say it again. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. My whole life is a waste of time compared to knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. For whose sake I've lost everything. I've lost all things. But I don't care because I've got Jesus. I consider them garbage. That's all things. That I may gain Christ. In other words, I just want to know Christ. Because in him I know God. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And he says this, I want to know Christ. Let's pray. Father, we want to know you. And we thank you that you have sent your son to make you known. And we thank you also that you sent your spirit to us to reveal to us the scriptures, and mostly to reveal to us Jesus and yourself. Thank you, Father, that we can know you. And I pray that you would give us the great fullness of living lives in worship of you, loving and knowing you, the word who became flesh. Jesus, your son. Father, we just pray that we might know you and that our desire would be for you and that we would see all of our fullness found in you alone.
our glorious God. Amen.